I don't know that I know that very well. I probably heard it once or twice, uh, but I definitely am not that familiar with it. So good words to that song. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Psalm 21. And, and tonight is really a sequel to Psalm 20. If you remember Psalm 20 last week, we covered it. It was kind of the, uh, the congregational psalm. And uh, Psalm 21 is appropriately placed right after Psalm 20. I'm sure when they put that together, uh, they, they knew that that was the way to do that. And so uh, it's a good, good flow and they both go hand in hand. And uh, really this is kind of the answer to Psalm 20 uh, in a triumphant psalm. And if you remember, Psalm 20 was kind of the, uh, the leader or the king, or rather the people would start out and they would sing part of it. Uh, and then the, the king or the leader would respond with a, a statement there. And, and so it was kind of the back and forth, if you remember that. And, uh, and it was a prayer for the captain or the soldiers that would go out to war and go out to the battlefield. And, and, uh, and then, of course, we go into Psalm 21, and it is a triumphant psalm. And so look with me in Psalm 21. In verse number 1, the Bible says this, The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire, and hast not withholden the request of his lips, Selah. For thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness. Thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him even length of days forever and ever. His glory is great in thy salvation. Honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him. For thou hast made him most blessed forever." Thou hast made him exceeding glad with thy countenance. Well, let's just read the whole thing. Verse 7. For the king trusteth in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High he shall not be moved. Thy hand shall find out all thine enemies. Thy right hand shall find out all those that hate thee. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. Their fruit shalt thou destroy from the earth, and their seed from among the children of men. For they intended evil against thee. They imagined a mischievous device which they are not able to perform. Therefore shalt thou make them turn their back uh, turn their back when thou shalt make ready thine arrows upon the strings against the face of them be thou exalted lord in thine own strength so will we sing and praise thy power Let's stop right there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Again, we thank you, God, for your goodness to us. And God, truly, uh, the many, many answers to prayer that you uh, give to us. And God, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray as we look into the psalm. And God, we see the triumph. We see the victory. Uh, God, that we would joy and we would rejoice in your greatness to us. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. God, I pray that you would just... Uh, bless each and every person and ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this psalm, uh, the first six verses uh, really are the thanksgiving. 
Uh, and we'll see that as we go through this psalm and we look at that. But really, uh, they're, they're praising God. They, they, uh, they look at, you look at down through there, and it says, these are the things that God has done for us. A lot of them are past tense. Thou preventest, in verse number three. Uh, he asked, life of thee thou gavest, in verse number four. Uh, it says there, that uh, thou hast laid upon him, in verse number five. Thou hast made him most blessed, in verse number six. And so we see all these things that are looking past tense, to what God has done, and they're giving thanks for all of those things. And, uh, and so I want us to notice those, uh, those as we go through here this evening in this Thanksgiving. But I want you to notice this in verse number 2, and that is answered prayer. Verse number 2, he says this, Thou hast given him his heart's desire, and hast not withholden the request of his lips. Thou hast not withholden the request of his lips. In other words, uh, the prayer was made, it was uttered, and God did not withhold the answer. But in other words, he answered that prayer. And he gave to those the, the, according to the request that was made. Um, chapter 20 was full of requests to God. If you remember going back there and looking at all the things they were praying, God, hear his prayer in the day of battle. God, preserve our king. Take care of him as he's gone away and, and bring him back safely. There were all kinds of requests that they made in chapter number 20. And listen, we're really careful about filling out prayer requests. We're really careful about making prayer requests. We have prayer sheets. We have prayer request cards. And all of those are, are good things. Because after all, if we don't ask, that's what the Bible says. I'm reminded of the verse in James chapter 4 and verse number 2. Ye have not because ye ask not. And so we ought to go to God and ask. We talked about that last week, that we have an open invitation to go to the throne room of God and, and request and, and make our prayers known to Him. Hey, listen, that's a good thing, and we ought to go to God. It is a blessing for us as Christians to be able to take those requests to God. And, uh, and the first part of it, go with me to James. You can save your spot here in Psalms. Go with me to James chapter 4 and verse 2. I want you to see this. James 4 and verse number 2. James chapter 4 and verse number, let's go to verse number 1. We'll, we'll grab the whole context here. And it is talking about prayer, James chapter 4. It's a wonderful passage. James chapter number 4 and verse number 1. He says this, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members? Verse number 2. Ye lust... And have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Verse number three, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. And so we look at those three verses, and basically, if you look at number, verse number two, the first part of that, you can really understand. He's saying, hey, uh, we desire to have things, and we try to get them. We'll, we'll work at that. We'll, we'll uh, fight for it. We'll do what we can to obtain the things that we desire in our life. Matter of fact, we'll go through all, as, we'll jump as many hoops as is necessary to get what we want. But how often we don't talk to God. 
and say, God, I need this. And, uh, and listen, I'm, I'm guilty as anyone in that. Um, I, I'm, I'm a mechanical person. And so when something does not work, you know what I do? Man, my mind goes to tinkering. I'm like, well, this doesn't work because this little thing doesn't turn that and this little gadget doesn't do this and this doesn't do that. So this must be the problem. And man, I'll tear it all apart and put it all back together and, and, and I'll, I'll do everything and it still won't work. You know what we ought to do? Go to God first. Say, God, why isn't this working? You say, is, is God interested? Listen, there is nothing that you cannot take to God. That's a double negative. That means you ought to take everything to God. There, you, you can pray about anything. And, and many times we will do everything in our power and in our strength to get what we want, but we don't talk to God. Hey, we ought to go to him and we ought to make those requests uh, to, to God. He's saying here in, in Psalm chapter 21 in verse number two that the requests were made. And because those requests were made, uh, um, there's more to it. But the, the bottom line is he says, and God, thou hast not withholding the request of his lips. Listen, we're really good about making requests. We're really good about making lists. But listen, we ought to be really good about saying, praise the Lord, God did this. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, God has done these things. The requests have gone out and God has answered those prayers and, and, and we ought to offer gratitude uh, for what God has done for us. Uh, and so we need to, number one, we need to make the request, but listen, we ought to praise the Lord when, they, when we do have answered prayer. And so we find answered prayer in verse number two. But I want you to notice in verse three down through six, we find not just answered prayer, but we find abundant blessings. Look in verse, uh, verse number three. He says this, For thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness. Now, we have to stop and we have to define preventist, all right? Because it's an old English word and it's a good English word and it simply means to go before, to proceed. And so uh, you, our minds, we think, well, preventist, in other words, it doesn't get it. He doesn't, he doesn't allow it. Uh, no, it actually means to go before. So he says there in verse number four, uh, verse number three, excuse me, that for thou preventest, or in other words, precedeth or goes before him with the blessings of goodness thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head in other words hey that the lord is going before uh these requests or before this person with whom had made the request and god is blessing beyond what has simply been prayed and so God blesses. And I'm reminded of that verse in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. We won't go there for sake of time, but certainly note it down. Ephesians 3, 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly, exceeding abundantly, excuse me, above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. In other words, God is able to do far more than what we ask or think. And the psalm is telling that. Matter of fact, he goes on and expounds upon that. Uh, and we see that. Look at verse number four. He asked, for he asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him, 
even length of days forever and ever. In other words, he, he was asking to spare his life in the battle, and God went beyond just sparing his life in the battle and continued to give him length of days and length of days and length of days and even unto eternal life. Boy, that's a God that blesses when you just ask for one thing and he continues to give more and to bless us above what we can uh, ask or even think. And so we see that he was asking that uh, many times in our lives. We pray very short-sighted prayers. I don't know about you, but I do many times. I pray, Lord, uh, you know, we need this or, or we just need this. And listen, God's like, that's, that's nothing. I can do that and I can do this and I can do this and I can do this on top of that. And God is able to do so much more. And, and we so many times uh, have short-sighted prayers or a limited scope. And sometimes, honestly, we don't know what to pray for. And we don't know how to pray. I, I was praying today, and, and, uh, and, and as I was going over some things, I, I thought, Lord, I don't know how to pray for this. And so, God, I ask that you do what is best in this situation. I don't, there's, sometimes there's things, man, I, I just don't know how to pray for them. And so I just say, God, it's yours. Please do something about it. You know better what to do with this than I know what to do with this. And, and God uh, is good about blessing even abundantly. Look at what he says in verse number five. His glory, that would be uh, the king that they were praying for, his glory is great in thy salvation. In other words, God gave him salvation and it made the king uh, even look a little bit better. And he says, he goes on, honor and majesty has thou laid upon him. In other words, God's in the blessing business. And we ought to thank God for that. Uh, as children of the king, uh, hey, listen, we can go to the king and we can make our requests known. I was watching just yesterday um, a little bit. I, I have not had the time to watch it all, but uh, Heartland is, has their church planters conference. And uh, I've never seen it before. And, and, uh, and so a, a pastor, a, a preacher that's starting a church will get up and, and he'll mention those things. And, and these guys have been doing this for a long time. This is not their, this is not their first rodeo. But they'll get up and, and, uh, and they'll present what they're going to do. And, 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 then, and then in the auditorium, they'll say, well, I'll give, I'll give $50. I'll give $1,000. I'll give. And they start tallying that up. And some of those guys, uh, the Lord right then and there at that meeting blesses. And, and they'll raise twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 for some of the needs that they have. You say, man, that's huge. That is huge. That's what our God can do. Uh, and listen, our God can do beyond that, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. And so our God is far more able to do more than we think uh, or allow Him. And so we see all of the thanksgiving that He allows. If you were to go through here, two all the way down through six, you would find at least ten things that He says, uh, Thou hast given Him His heart's desire. Thou hast not withholden the request. Thou preventest Him with blessings and settest a crown. Uh, those are all past 
tense. He asked for life. Thou gavest it him, even length of days. Uh, his glory is great in thy salvation. Uh, and then he says, honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him. Those are all past tense. Those are all the blessings that because the requests were made known, that, uh, that, that these God blessed in all of these other ways, even above what they had asked. And so we see them giving thanks unto God. Listen, when we make prayers, we ought to make notes. And as, as, as dubious as we are about making the prayer cards and the list, we ought, to, we ought to write down, thank God this was answered. And this is what God did. And, and make mental note of it. Hey, listen, and let other people know God blessed here or God did this for us and, and provided. And, and what a blessing it is to others to hear and know that God does things. And so they're allowing other people to see the goodness of God and how it was that God had blessed the king that they had prayed for. Go on to verse number 7. We find not just the thanksgiving, but I want you to notice in verse number 7, really down through verse number 12, they, they talk constantly about future things. So look with me at verse number 7. In verse number 7, For the king trusteth in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High he shall not be moved. That shall not be moved uh, is futuristic. Verse number eight, shall find out all thine enemies, uh, shall find out those that hate thee in verse number eight. Verse number nine, thou shalt make them as a fiery oven. That's a future thing. Uh, he goes on, their fruit in verse number 10, shalt thou destroy from the earth. Uh, verse number 12, therefore shalt thou make them turn their back. Uh, and those are future things that they're saying, hey, that we, uh, we've given Given thanks for the things that you have done and even the things beyond what we had asked for. We're giving thanksgiving to God for those things. But then we wanted you to know as well that we are trusting in what God is going to do. In other words, it's not just past. God didn't work once and it was done and there was no more else that they were to expect from God, but yet they would continue to trust God going forward as they would look to Him uh, for, for the things that they needed in their life. And, and verse number 7, it expressly says it. It says, For the king trusteth in the Lord. I don't think it could be much clearer than that. Uh, and listen, it's, it's easy to talk about trust, but it's another thing when it comes down to the wire. And you're saying, well, i got to live out this trust. And I've been there and done that many a times. And, and, and as we look at this, I want us to notice just a few things uh, that they're trusting God for. Uh, look at what he says there in verse number 8. He says, Thine hand shall find out all thine enemies... Thy right hand shall find out all those that hate thee. God will discover the enemies. Find out, he says. In other words, that would be recognize the enemy. And as we look at this, as I read this several times, I thought, listen, it's not recognizing our enemies, but it's recognizing God's enemies. And we ought to be standing on God's side, um, I've said several times in the past couple of weeks that we are on God's side. I need to make it clear that we need to be on God's side. God doesn't just follow us around and he's got our back. 
uh, you understand that we have to walk with God. He doesn't, he doesn't just, we just go here and there and we just expect God to tag along everywhere we go and expect him always to, uh, to stand on our side. No, we ought to be standing on God's side. Um, and, and so there's a, there's a, it's, a, it's a subtle thing, but it's certainly something that's important that, hey, God, that we're with God. We're on God's side and that he'll discover his enemies. Think about this. The first thing or one of the greatest dangers really in any battle is friendly fire. If you think about that, uh, you don't want to destroy your own troops. You don't want to be firing on your own troops. Well, how do you prevent that? Well, you have a couple of things, but one, you be able to recognize um, the, the enemy. That's important. My dad told me many years ago that... Uh, uh, for Air Force pilots, especially the fighter pilots, and I always loved history of airplanes and, and fighter pilots, that they would, they would go through slides and they would flash, you know, uh, um, a, a Russian jet, a MiG up there. And then they'd flash a Japanese jet up there. I don't know what those are. And then they'd flash American. And, and they wanted you to name them as fast as you possibly could because a lot of times in a dogfight, you've got a split decision when you're flying around and you've got several of your, your friends up there flying with you and, and you've got enemies and that wrong plane comes across your sights and you pull the trigger, you're shooting down your friends. You're shooting down your friendly side. And you've got to be able to recognize instantaneously who is the enemy. And they actually measured that and would say, hey, you need to have these kind of uh, quick, you know, reflexes to be able to recognize, oh, in, in a moment that this is a MiG. Oh, in a moment that this is an F-15. In a moment that this is an F-16. Or, or whatever the airplane was, because you needed to make that split decision that may save your life. But as I look at all of that, can I tell you this? we as Christians don't always recognize all the enemies. I'm not saying that as a slight, I'm saying that as a statement of fact. That we, let me rephrase that, that we cannot always recognize all the enemies. You say, what do you mean by that? Go with me to Ephesians chapter number 6. Save your spot here in Psalms, we'll be back here. But Ephesians chapter number 6. I've referenced this verse several times. But Ephesians chapter number 6 says this, and Ephesians is, of course, the, the battle of the soldier. And he says this in Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number, we'll start with verse number 10. Ephesians 6, 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse number 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let me just stop right there. And without going crazy, all right, we haven't seen demons. We don't see them. We don't see spiritual wickedness in high places. It's not something that we can see. We may see the manifestation of that. We may see the works of that. We may see somebody uh, who is possessed by a devil, but we don't see the demon itself. We don't, we don't see the higher power that is, is in that person. And so you understand, we don't always recognize and we can't even always see the enemy that we face. But the good news is we don't have to. 
Because God, the Bible says, discovers all of his enemies. And he knows who it is that are against us, uh, or against him rather, uh, and who it is that because we stand with God, then they would then come against us as well. But God is the one that recognizes that. Back in Psalms chapter 21 and verse number uh, 8, he says, Thine hand shall find out all thine enemies. Thy right hand shall find out those that hate thee. Listen, there truly is a battle, a spiritual battle between righteousness and wickedness. And, and, and listen, God is able, we have to trust that God is able to discover those enemies that are against him. In other words, we can't always define, we can't always uh, point out, we can't always see them, but listen, he can. And we have to trust him. It says there, it's future tense. Thine hand shall find out all thine enemies. Thy right hand shall find out all those that hate thee. Not only does, uh, do we have to trust that God will discover the enemies, but I want you to notice this in verse number 9 and 10 as well. He says, thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger, the Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath. The fire shall devour them. Not only do we have to trust that God will discover the enemies, but God will destroy the enemies. It's God's war. And we need to understand that. Uh, listen, you go back and you read the Old Testament and you'll find many a times where, uh, where, where God intervened my my. My absolute favorite is when the nation of Israel is crossing the Red Sea. And, and they're utterly defenseless. They, they, they don't have any trained armies. They don't have any weapons. They, they've come out of slavery. They're, they're not accustomed to fighting. They're not even accustomed to being a nation that would govern themselves or be governed under God. Uh, they're, they're just still trying to figure all this out, a fledgling nation that has escaped uh, the slavery. And, and they're running through the, the desert there with the Egyptians, who was a very established country, a very frightful country with a very powerful army coming after them them and uh, and God takes that that pillar of fire uh, as a pillar of fire and he puts himself between the nation of Egypt and the nation of Israel and and listen that's God that God is able to do that but it gets better because then God takes and opens up the Red Sea and the nation of Israel goes across well the the, the Egyptians say well let's pursue them foolish thing most foolish thing they ever did they get out there. You go back and read it. The Bible says implicitly that God caused the wheels of their chariots to fall off. And the Bible says that they drave something of the, the effect of they drave heavily. Them animals are trying to pull those carts and the wheels. You ever heard of a flat tire on a chariot? That's what happened. God made them fall off. You say, what, what happened? And, and after the nation of Israel got across, God pulled his hands out and let the water all collapse back in on top of them so that they drowned. Uh, and what I'm saying is, listen, you go back and you read the Old Testament, you read through those, you read the New Testament, and you'll find time and time again that God is well able to take care of people if they'll let him.
You know what the problem is? We think that we're the answer. We think that we have to perform, that we have to do this. And if we don't do this and if we don't make it function right, then it's not going to function. And for all practical purposes, we don't let God do his work. And, he sa- and they're saying, we trust, look at verse number nine, thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath and the fire shall devour them. And God is plenty able. It goes on in verse number 10. Their fruit shalt thou destroy from the earth, their seed from among the children of men. In other words, hey, he's not going to let them continue and raise up new enemies against us, but God ultimately is going to to reign victorious, and we have to trust that God will discover his enemies and will destroy his enemies. And we see it ever so clearly. And that's our responsibility to put our faith and put our trust in God for those things. It even gets better than that. Look with me in verse number 11. I love this. Uh, Verse number 11, not so much. Verse number 12, but we'll read 11 for context. For they intended evil. That would be those who were opposed to God. They intended evil against thee. They imagined a mischievous device which they are not able to perform. In other words, they wanted to wage war with God and they wanted to go against God and they were not happy with God. Verse number 12, Therefore shalt thou make them turn their back when thou shalt make ready thine arrows upon thy strings against the face of them. We see that God is not only able to discover, God is able to destroy, but God is able to dispel the enemy. In other words, at the mere movement of God, they're like, whoop, we're out of here. No, we don't, we don't even compare. I, I have an older brother, and I used to, on occasion, pester my brother. Now, I am not the younger pestering brother, but on a rare occasion, I just, you just felt the urge to pester your older brother. And so I would. But I tell you what, my older brother was stronger than me, And he wasn't very kind to a pestering younger brother. He didn't tolerate it very much. And and after being punched a time or two in the arms and in the legs, I decided I needed to be smarter about this. And as soon as my brother starts to move, man, I'm out of there. I mean, if if he even breathes funny, I'm I'm gone because I don't want to get hit again. And, and, and there's an art form to pestering and, and pestering and bothering and, and to the point where you can push them right to the edge and then you better know where that is and you better stop so you can get away before you get hurt. And basically the idea of all of this is that they're saying in verse number 12, it says, Therefore shalt thou make them turn their back. In other words, God, as soon as he starts to, to grab his bow and, and, and put his arrow in it, man, they are gone. At the mere movement of God, they fear and they shake and they tremble and they, run, they flee away. Go back to, to Psalm 20, and I'll show you the instance of this. We didn't cover this in Psalm 20 uh, because there was just too much to cover in Psalm 20. But look with me in Psalm 20. He says, the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. Look at this. The name of, of the God of Jacob 
defend thee. You understand and realize that there were nations that hated Israel, but they would not go against them because they saw time and time again how God had defended Israel. And they said, eh, just at the name of Jehovah, we're not, we're, not, we're not lifting a hand against Israel. We're not going to go against them. Just at the name of God. People trembles. And so uh, when God starts to move, boy, people get scared. People move. I mean, people are gone. They, they don't want any part of it. You go back to Revelation chapter number, uh, I believe it's 20, uh, when, when the, the great white throne is taking place, and the Bible says that the earth is fled away from him. They don't want to stand before him. At his movement, at his name, at the thought of judgment, at the thought of punishment that would come their way, they would absolutely flee. And what I'm saying is, hey, we can trust that God knows how to dispel his enemies. The very name of God, it comes out that that's true. So we see the thanksgiving in verses 1 through 6. We see the uh, trust that we have to instill upon God in verses 7 down through 12. Now I want you to notice this. In, in verse number 1 and verse number 13, we find the testimony. In verse number 1, I want you to notice this. The Bible says, The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord. And in thy salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. That's a personal testimony. The king is attesting that the king of kings has protected him, that he has saved him, that he has delivered him, that he has blessed him, that he has honored him, that he has given him glory and majesty and mercy and all of those things that God has blessed beyond measure. And he's personally testifying and saying, hey, listen, God has been very good to me. And what a great testimony. You know, there's something about uh, just hearing a testimonial of somebody. You ever see marketers know that? You know, that's why they always have, oh, I, I use this product and it is the best. It helps me. Because they know that that testimony is going to influence other people. Other people are going to say, well, man, it worked for that guy. Man, you know, must be able to work for me as well. Hey, listen, uh, this, this, this started way back, way back in Bible times that people would give testimony to how God had been good to them. And here we have a king. And when sometimes when you have a more influential person uh, giving testimony, boy, more people know him. Wow, man, if it worked for him, wow, we know who that guy is. And God has blessed him. And here the king is giving testimony. It's a personal testimony. The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation how greatly shall he rejoice. We see the salvation. Listen, may we never forget or abandon the idea that God saved us. And not obviously not we ourselves. Hey, listen. That's joyful to us. I've said it before. I'll say it again. On our absolute worst day here on earth, we're still going to heaven. I mean, we're blessed of God beyond measure. And, and you look at all that God has done. Um, I, I was thinking today as I was going over, I was like, man, you know, God has provided land. God has provided building. God has provided uh, just everything that we have here. God has blessed our church tremendously. 
And, and, and we ought to thank God for what He's done for us and give thanks and continue to trust Him as we go forward because uh, we have a personal testimony that is given there clearly in verse number one. And, and some of you, you know the testimony. You were here when there, you were here before the building was here. You were here before we had the land. And, and we can say, man, praise the Lord for His provision. We watched God provide. We watched God take care of it. And it's a personal testimony uh, to how God has greatly blessed. And it ought to give us joy. And we ought to rejoice in what God has done for us. But I want you to notice this. Not only is it a personal testimony, but look with me in verse number 13. It says, Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength, so will we... Sing, pray, sing and praise thy power. Not only is it a personal testimony, but it is a congregational testimony of where they're saying, hey, we are going to sing and praise God because we watched him answer our prayers. As we prayed that they would go out to battle, we prayed that you would hear their cry. We prayed that you would strengthen them. We prayed that you would take care of them. We prayed that you would bring them back safely. And listen, as, as a congregation, when we see answers to prayer and we see God doing things, hey, we can sing and we can praise God together. There's something about collective prayer and praying one with another. The Bible talks about that in the New Testament, the book of Acts. The church got together and they prayed. Uh, and when they did, listen, God did things and, and they were to rejoice together because of the goodness of God. Hey, listen, God, God has done things. God has provided. God continues to provide. And we go forward, we, we say, man, praise the Lord. Hey, listen, that's not me. That's not you. That's God. And we can praise the Lord together and say, look at what God's done. God's doing things and God is working. And we ought to thank God for that. It is a collective, congregational. It says, so will we sing and praise thy power. Not the power of the king, not the power of the people, but the power of God. And that's what we need to praise. Be thou exalted, Lord. In thine own strength. What a blessing that we can see a testimony. That we ought to give a testimony for what God has done and how God has blessed in our life personally. In our life as a, uh, a body of believers and a church as we gather together. We pray for things and we say thank God every time he provides and does things. And, and, and what a blessing that we can give testimony to how good God is. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We ought to offer thanksgiving to God. We ought to trust God going forward, and we ought to have a testimony to praise God and say, He's done things. He's blessed. He's provided. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. God, day after day, your word continues to speak to us. God, we thank you for providing your word to us, that we could read it, God, that we could study it, that we could learn from it, that we could be encouraged from it, that we could be educated by it, that we could be instructed by it. God, your word is truly so good to us. God, we thank you for it. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. Help us to be thankful. 
Help us to be grateful for the blessings that you've done and for how you've blessed us in so many ways. Help us to pause. Help us to recognize your work in our life, your blessings, your provisions. God, help us to trust you going forward. Being thankful for what you've done will certainly help us to trust you more and more each day. And God, hearing the testimonies of how you've provided for others certainly is an encouragement. It brings joy to us. God, I pray that we would share our testimonies of how you've blessed and how you've provided and God, as a church, we can collectively praise you for your provision, your graciousness, and your blessings on us. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.